What a start to the day, and it's not even close to being finished yet, right? How many of you are so thankful that it's Thanksgiving week, even though, as I said, we are the people of Thanksgiving, we live that way constantly, but especially this time of the year as the holidays are fastly approaching, uh, how many of you are looking forward to celebrating together this week, uh, somehow, some way, the week of Thanksgiving? Let me just take a, a quick, informal, uh, very unprofessional poll. How many of you are turkey people in here? <clears throat> okay, keep them up. Hold your hands up. Keep them up. That's a pretty good percentage. But how many of you are ham people in here? <clears throat> how many of you are vegan in here? I mean, come on. There's a few. Okay, there's a couple. Yeah, okay. Well, well listen, if, if our turkey people would raise their hands one more time and keep them up, uh, just real quick, uh, again, unscientific now, everybody else can, can say, hey, turkeys, go ahead. <clears throat> you like that, huh? Yeah, yeah. Hey, turkeys, uh, you've been wanting to call some people that for a while. I know some of you, you got it. It's, it's going to be a great week. We're, we're looking forward to everything. How many of you are shoppers in the room? Let me see your hands. And I'm putting mine down. Okay. How many of you already got it mapped out? Where are you going? What are you going to buy? And you're going to camp out at Walmart, Best Buy, all that kind of stuff. Anybody in here going to that extreme Good. We got a lot of people with good sense in here. Then that, that makes me feel a lot better. I mean, I don't care if I save $10. I'm not spending a, a day and a half to do it. I, I am a frugal person. You, many of you who know me, you know that. I like a good deal, but I'm not camping out anywhere for that kind of stuff for, for real. But, but, you know, we're inundated with, with all that kind of stuff at this time of the year because, you know, society's driven by the, the greenback, right? They want the money. They want you to, to go and spend and, and hit their deals and all that stuff. And, and, and with everything that, that happens around this time of, of the year, sadly, uh, Thanksgiving itself can kind of get lost in the more, more, more culture that we we reside in when we we do think of thanksgiving it's just an american holiday with a historical origins of gluttonous implications too often and we really miss the true meaning behind what what it's supposed to be all about so if we really allow it to thanksgiving could be kind of put a spotlight on a wonderful and crucial part of the Christian life with all of the festivities and the time off from school. And it's a great time for adults and children alike most of the time. I know some of you have to work right through that. And, and, and I know that's tough. But when we consider what God wanted to communicate to us from his word, especially a verse found in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, where it says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, now listen to that real, real carefully. Give thanks in all circumstances is the first part of that verse. And then it goes on and tells us, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now I want to kind of translate that to us, even though it seems pretty obvious, this literally means no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter what the situation, what the moment is, what the season in is that you're going through right now to give thanks to God for everything that's that's in your life that's a blessing and man some of you are in that that place right now you're in that no matter what stage of life right now you, you you're going through a season of of, of adversity of of challenge of, of hardship of 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 trial and man it's not always easy in those seasons and those times and those moments to do what we're instructed to do right here and that is to give thanks in all circumstances but yet that's what God encourages. That's what God commands. That's what he deserves. 
That through the good times, through the hard times, through the challenges, through the celebrations, that we understand that God is God no matter what's going on in the here and now that we're facing in our life. And above everything else, above those seasons of challenge, above those seasons of celebration, He alone is worthy and deserves all the worship and thanks that we can give to Him. So as we look at this very important subject of thanksgiving today, I want to start by taking a quick look at some people who got it right. Don't you like to have models in your life that you can emulate, that you can follow, that you can look at and say, hey man, I admire them. I want to, I want to emulate, I want to follow in their footsteps. I want to do what they have done. I want to be like them. How many of you remember on on one occasion, the apostle Paul, the great writer of the New Testament and missionary and, and leader of the churches, he made this bold statement, follow me as I follow Christ. So I felt like it it, it only appropriate that we take a look at some biblical examples. Let's take a a, a quick glimpse at some people who got it right in God's word that we can can learn from today. Because you know what? And and just look at me for a moment. If you have your outlines, uh, you know, follow along, grab those, get your Bibles as I said a moment ago. But but just look at me and hear this right now. There's, There's a battle that goes on in our lives every day for this area of worship to God of being truly thankful. There is a battle that goes on constantly that rages inside of every one of us for us to get our attention off of the good things of God, for us to lose sight of who he is and all that he means to us. And I'm telling you something, the enemy loves to steal our attention away and he loves to divert our focus away from God who alone is truly worthy of every ounce of praise we can muster. So right now, in the here and now, let's, let's capture that attention. Let's, let's take our focus and, and put, it, put it right where it belongs. And that is on God, our great creator, our heavenly father. And not let anything steal that away from us in the moment we're in right now. And learn to do that in the moments of life that we journey through from here forward. And I'm telling you something, your life will never be the same. So we're going to look at these examples. And the first one on your outline is Hannah. And, 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 and I put out beside her name, Going All In. Her story is found in 1 Samuel 1 and 2. And Hannah is one of my favorite people in, in all of the Bible and someone that I've learned a whole lot from. There honestly isn't a lot of information about her, but her mark in God's word is very significant because Hannah was one of two wives to a man named Elkanah. Now, I'm just going to stop right here. That's a, that's a mistake. Most men can't handle one wife. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? Much less trying to venture out for multiple wives. It just doesn't work. And a lot of people say, well, you know, it's in God's word. It should be okay and stuff. Well, not most people. Some people use that argument. And I'm telling you this, God never said in his word, it's okay to do that. But that was the culture of the day. And many people did that. And I believe in my heart that God said, be married to one woman, have one wife, have one that you love. And you join yourself too. But she was involved in this situation where she was one of two wives to a man named Elkanah. And Hannah was barren. She could not have a child. But the other wife had many children. So the other wife, Peniah, would, would taunt her regularly. And Hannah's misery was, was immense, man. Her pain was, was huge. And one night while she was in the temple praying, she prayed fervently for a child one more time. And so much so that the priest Eli, who, who looked after the temple there and ministered to the people, thought that she was just out of her mind, thought she was just losing it. She was praying so fervently. 
And here's what Hannah prayed. You ready for this? She said to God, Lord, if you give me a child, I will in turn give that child back to you. That's right. Preach it with me, Joseph. I'll give the child back to you. If you grant me this request, I will surrender the child back to you to serve you ever how you want them to serve you. Man, what a prayer. I mean, think about this. This one thing that you've earnestly sought after, that you've desired to have, you you wanted to have this thing come to pass. And if it comes, then what you're going to do is turn around and give it back to God. That's huge. What a beautiful story this is. And I'm going to tell you what's so beautiful about it is, is simply this, that she did. God granted her desire and birthed in her and through her a son by the name of Samuel. Right? And what did she do? As soon as he was of age, she took Samuel to the temple. And Eli, the priest, was there. And she said, I'm going to follow through. How many of you know that's a tough, tough thing to do? How many of you know it's a lot easier to make these proclamations and make these commitments? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going I'm to make this my goal. And I'm going to commit to this. But that's the easy part. She went through with the tough part because when Samuel was of age, she took him to the temple and said, Eli, he is yours, but most of all, he is God's. I surrender my son. Write that down somewhere. What is God calling us to surrender in the way of thanks, thanking him and, and honoring him and blessing him and worshiping him? Because I'm going to tell you something. It's, it's something that's precious. It's something, as, as was said in, in God's word, I don't want to give the Lord anything that does not cost me something big. Hannah followed through. I put down on my notes, with all her heart, she praised God in the aftermath of turning over her biggest prayer request to the Lord. Does our praise and thanksgiving overflow from the good that we've had to let go of? When maybe your sacrifice was very, very difficult to make. I'm going to tell you something. It cost her, but the rewards were immeasurable. What she got back in return. That's the way being thankful truly is. When we let go of the things that we hold precious and dear unto God as an offering to him, we are blown away at how he comes in and he uses that and he he blesses us in wave after wave that we can't even contain. Hannah teaches us that lesson. The second person I want us to take a quick look at is King David and, and, and his all-out worship. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, David sang and danced before the Lord in the streets of Jerusalem as, as they led in the glory of God. And, and when he did that, his, his wife was, was embarrassed by that. I mean, they were bringing in the Ark of the Covenant, and he was celebrating. He was coming in with just his, his skivvies on, if you would. He had taken off his outer garments and the robes and everything else, and he was dancing and celebrating as they marched in the Ark of the Covenant that they had gotten back after being away from their, their possession. And David danced, and he worshiped, and he sang unto the Lord, and his wife was embarrassed by that. His wife, she, she criticized him and said, you look so foolish in doing that. You look so undignified in, in, in leading the procession down Main Street. How dare you, the king, be, be that undignified? And David looked at her, and I love his response. He said, ma'am, honey, darling, woman, maybe, I don't know. 
I can get even more undignified than this for my God because he alone is worthy. He deserves our very best. He deserves our unrestrained worship that we let everything go and just get lost in his presence and celebrate him for who he is. And that's exactly what King David did in this account. He let himself go. The Bible tells us that he also worshiped after the death of his son. The baby that, that didn't live, the one that, that didn't make it after being sick at, at birth. And I'm going to tell you something. If you can rise up in the midst of a great loss like that and clean yourself up as David did and, and bathe after days of praying and asking God for a miracle, and you can rise to your feet and stand up and raise your hands and say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord as this man did. Then look at me, church, then you've got it. You understand what worship is. You know what being thankful is all about. You know that God is God. And whatever happens, man, it is in his hands. And our responsibility, our calling and our commission is to love him and honor him and worship him with a thankful heart in every circumstance. David shows us that. David let it all go, man. All out worship. This man had a heart for God because he was described as a man after God's own heart. No matter what season David found himself in, he always had the perspective of praise. Write that down. Do we maintain that perspective of praise? And that's always the right perspective. The perspective of praise in our hearts and lives unto God. Listen. We can learn a thing or two from that kind of heart and that kind of attitude. I'm sure it wasn't always easy, but he knew Thanksgiving was always necessary. Do we, do we grab that in our own lives? It's not always easy, but it's always necessary because God is always worthy. The next person we want to take a quick look at is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And, and in Luke chapter 1, we find the story of when, when she was confronted with, with what was about to happen. And we're, we're embarking on the season of Christmas here just in a few days. And Mary, this young, young woman, this young virgin that, that was betrothed to be married to Joseph, that she was engaged in our terminology in this day and time. She had this whatever you want of me heart towards God. Can you write that down somewhere as your, your, your goal to aspire to? That I want to have that, Lord, whatever you want of me, kind of heart and attitude. If you want me to, to go out and, and, and take an umbrella on rainy Sundays and, and go to the cars of, of, of people that are coming into our church building and, 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 and walk them into the church with an umbrella, I want to do that. If you want me to go to Walmart and just, just go out and collect buggies from, from our senior citizens, those who struggle to get to their cars and empty the stuff out in their cars and, and me bring them back for two hours during Christmas season or two days during Christmas season or the whole month, I want to do that. God, whatever you want of me is the, the attitude that I want to adopt in my life. I want to have in my heart towards you and towards others, God. And that's exactly the heart of Mary because when God showed up through this angelic messenger and said, you are going to have the Son of God, you are going to birth Jesus, the Lord, the Christ, into this world. She knew the implications. She knew that her and Joseph had kept themselves pure for their marriage that was coming. She knew the, the talk that would, would start to, to circulate in town and, and people be looking at her a totally different way than they were before she became pregnant. And even though she would share the story, maybe, hey, this isn't what you think. Everybody's thinking, oh, come on now. There's no way. That, that is not even possible. 
We know what you guys have been doing. And man, that's quite a cover-up story you've come up with. I, I give you that, right? <laughs> but she was willing to exemplify great praise and thanksgiving. I'm telling you, this girl got it. She got it. Lord, let it be unto me just as you have said. Did did you hear that? That was her response to the angelic message. Lord, let it be unto me just as you have said. I don't want to change one little detail of what you have called me to. I don't want to negotiate here. How many of you are good negotiators? How many of you do that to God on a regular basis? He comes to your heart. He speaks something to your life. He challenges you in a certain way. He pushes you out of your comfort zone and you start this negotiation process automatically. Well, God, you know, that, that's great. And, and I understand there is a need for that. And I understand that, that I can maybe do that. But, but really, I think so-and-so would be a whole lot better at that. God, you know me. You know where I come from. You know my background. You know my personality. You know what I, what I can do. You know what I can do. So you're, you've obviously gotten the wrong person for this. So, you know, let's just, uh, let's, let me help you. Hey, how about this? I'll help you find somebody else and we'll together find that person and get them started on this project that I know is very important. So you're like, man, you sound pretty good. I am pretty good at it. I've done it a few times. I've tried to negotiate my way out of some things that God's put on my heart to do. I mean, it's this church, right? We've got to be honest. That's in the top 10, right? Exactly. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? Mary did none of that. When the angel spoke to her, her heart of worship, her heart of praise, her heart of understanding who God was at even that young age. And man, I love our young people. I love our children who just get it, who just go for it, who just have this thing of, of, of uninhibited love for Christ. Not holding anything back, Mary got it. And she said to him, let it be unto me just as you have spoken. We want to be thankful people to God. Let's learn this lesson from Mary. Let's grab a hold of that. I want to, I want to ask you this question before we move, move on. What, what are we carrying that at first might have seemed a bit fearful in our own hearts and lives, but now we can be thankful for. For Mary, it was Jesus. I mean, she was carrying the Son of God incarnate in her belly. I'm just carrying pizza from last night that's left over in mine a little bit. That, that's it. I mean, doesn't even come close to comparing. She was carrying God in the flesh. You think she thought about that and, and sometimes worried about that and sometimes got a little fearful about that and like, oh my, how, how am I going to do it? Oh, God, it's you. You've call, I, I think she got this, this really, really quickly. You've called me. You're going to equip me to do what you've called me to do. She, she grabbed a hold of that early on, I believe. What are you carrying that at first might have seemed a, a bit fearful to you, but, but now you're thankful for? And then we move on to number four, which is the one former leper. I thought about doing this in an interview style and having somebody come up here and say, well, Mr. Leper, what, what caused you to go back? I mean, the other, I mean, you remember the story, right? 
I mean, this, this age-old story out of Luke 17 where there was 10 lepers, and, and how many of you know anything about leprosy? It's like a death sentence, and, and I mean, your body parts just start decaying and falling off, and, and, and the next thing you know, you don't have much of a body left, and, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're dead? And, 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 and the other side of that is being outcast because nobody else wanted to catch that. I mean, I, I know some of you germ freaks, you get all scared when somebody sneezes around you. Like, oh goodness, where's the, where's the wipes? Where's the, the hand sanitizer? Where, where's my mask? I've got, you know, you just start running for the hills with, with a simple sneeze. I mean, how about if somebody comes around you, they got leprosy and body parts are falling off. You're like, whoa. So what they did in this day and time to kind of safeguard everybody else was put them way outside the city. They had their own leper colonies where they were outcast and, and sentenced to stay away from their loved ones, away from family, away from friends, away from their teammates they grew up playing football with in, in high school and, and running this. Well, it was yeah, a little bit before that, but you know what I'm saying. Ten of them together heard Jesus was coming to their town, so they, they gathered up everything they could and, and got together and they went, went to, the, to the town where he's going to be. And, and as Jesus came by, they yelled out and said, Son of God, have mercy and heal us. And Jesus looked at him and said, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And the Bible tells us that as they followed his, his word and his command and they did that, that all ten of them were what? healed you go from having a death sentence on you that's rapidly approaching to being totally healed you've got a new lease on life that that disease is gone it's disappeared the master has miraculously healed you now how many of you would be like me man be turning cartwheels I mean, you would be rejoicing, dancing, even though I got no rhythm at all. I'd be out there trying to dance and looking awkward, but still going for it because I don't care because I'm healed. I was a dead man walking, and now I'm healed. I'm free. I'm clean. I'm whole. So you would think that the, the man who caused this to happen because doctors could not help it. No one had a remedy for leprosy ever. Until Jesus came along and did this miracle for them after they cried out to them. And all of them went running back exuberant and excited and celebrating and falling at his feet and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? Well, at least seven of them did, right? Four? Two? Just one? I'm no mathematician, but those ratios stink. You don't have to be a mathematician to figure that out. I just, I'm blown away. I see, and and just bear with me a moment. I see in our society now this spirit of ungratefulness seems to be on the increase day by day, being replaced by, hold on to your chair. You got it? You got a good grip? The spirit of entitlement. It's just literally pushing it out. Gratefulness is going by the wayside. I don't know what happened here, but I do know that only one man got it right. 
And the Bible tells us this man threw himself at the feet of Jesus and gave immense thanks. It's both amazing and sad to think that only one man returned to give thanks for healing from a deadly disease. When nine vanished in the crowd, one gave thanks where thanks was definitely due. I just wanted to tell you this, be the one. Did you get that in the middle? Be, be the one. What about on this right side? Be the one. And, and the cafe tables and the seats in the back, the production, be the one. Would you just hold that up right now? Be the one. Hold, hold up a, a number one sign. How many of you are Boston Red Sox fans in here? We are number one, Pat. It doesn't matter about those Yankees. Boston won the series. We're number one. But even great. I'm sorry, Pat. Don't give me that mean look. There's a smile. There's that Pat smile. But even above that, far above that, be the one that goes and thanks Jesus on a daily basis, on a, on a minute by minute, by, as, as often as you can think of it, think of the things that he's blessed you with. Be grateful for that. Be the one that falls at his feet, that's not ashamed, that doesn't care about anything else other than getting to the one that saved our lives. Be that one. Be the one. And then the last glimpse I wanted to give us this morning was of a grateful, 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 grateful sinner. In Luke's gospel, chapter 7, this passage is the story of a sinful woman who literally washed Jesus' feet with her hair and an entire bottle of very expensive perfume. It's filled with great, great talking points. This story is about not only our unworthiness, because how many of you know, in and of ourselves, we done, have done nothing to deserve the great blessings of God? We cannot do anything in the world to deserve that, but yet he finds us worthy through his son, Jesus Christ. We are made worthy. We are his children made in his image. He loves us with an everlasting love. It has a great talking point and lesson about that, but also an even greater lesson of our greatest blessing in life, and that is salvation. And it also speaks of how lavishly Jesus deserves our thanks. Listen to me, church. She brought her best. Now, look, look, look this way. I don't care if you're piddling on your, your doodle pad or on your phone on, on whatever. I, just, I need you to look at me. She brought her best. I want to live my life with an attitude that I bring my best to everything I'm a part of. I, I have strived to do that since I was young, since my, my baseball coach at Salvation Army Boys Club, Little League, taught us to bring our best every time we show up, That it, whether on the practice field, in games, that we always, always, always give everything we've got. I want to live that way. When, when I discovered who Jesus is in my life, when I, when I was radically saved at, at the age of 17 and I surrendered my life, I, I, I caught this, this lesson very early that Jesus deserves the very best that I can give. So you know what? Every week we desire, we pray, we serve, we work, we do everything we can to bring our best to God in our personal lives and as a church body and as a leadership team here because we don't want to settle with no halfway offering. We don't want to just bring what's left over at the end of the week. We don't want to just throw something together on Saturday night because Jesus is deserving of the very best we can give. And this grateful sinner, former sinner who is saved by the grace of God, 
comes into the room and pushes through everybody else like they're not even there. And she falls down at the feet of the Savior who's seated. And she breaks open this bottle of very, very, very expensive perfume and she pours it on his feet and dries it with her hair. Because she understood that it's all about bringing her best and not warming up some leftovers and throwing them on the table. Not going into Jesus and saying, thank you, love you, see you in a a week. She just spilled it all. Let me ask you this. Have you ever broken the bottle of your best for Jesus? I really think that some of you have that bottle and you've kind of held on to it and you've kept it for numerous reasons. There there are different things that you just kind of, you you won't let it go. You won't bring it out. You won't just shatter it on the floor and say, there's no going back. There it is, Jesus. You've got all of me, the very best I can give you. I can't take it back now. It's yours. I'm yours. Everything that I have is yours, the very best of me that you created, that you made me to be, God. I'm just spilling it all over your feet. Have you ever fallen at his feet and wept in pure worship? We come in here, Jesus, we love you. What time is it? Can we get out of here soon? Okay. None of that. None of that anymore. Why? Because I don't even think that does anything to move the hand and the heart and the, 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 the person of God. I think he's like, man, if your heart's not in it, if it's not your best, don't even try. Don't even bring me that stuff that just isn't right. Bring me everything you have of your best. I mean, that lesson was discovered in the the beginning with Cain and Abel. One brought a mediocre sacrifice to God. The other brought his best. And God called him on and God honored the best. He always honors the best of who we are when we spill it out to him and worship at his feet. Have you ever not cared? what anybody else thought about you because the only thing that mattered to you, the only thing that mattered to you was giving Jesus Christ all that he deserves. Have you ever not cared? Or do we care too much about our image and how we look and how we sound? I'm telling you, some of you are going to get this and it's going to change your life forever. So as we finish this part of our service and before we celebrate communion and What is the process of true gratitude? Listen to me. First of all, it starts in our heart. We've got to be deeply moved and we've got to feel the thankfulness well up inside of our hearts and and a heart that is truly being transformed by the unimaginable, beautiful grace of God being poured out in abundance upon our lives. We've got to feel it deep down inside. It's got to move our heart like the one leper out of the 10 who came back to Jesus to give him thanks. And he was so moved in his heart that he just threw himself down at his feet. And then it moves through our lips. I want you to write this down. Thankful people will say something and sing something. Thankful people will say something and sing something. I don't care what quality of voice you have. It doesn't matter. There's no prerequisite in the the Bible where it says sing out to the Lord a, a new song, sing for joy, sing the worship, sing the praise that he deserves. There's no prequalifications in there. If you're pitch perfect and you've got it right and you you got that wonderful voice, then you can sing out. No, it just says sing, period. 
And that goes out to everybody. I'm going to tell you something. In our house, we're singers. Now, I didn't say we were good singers. Don't, don't mistake me there. I just said we're singers. We go around singing to the point that Devin's in the living room going, would y'all be quiet? That's our 10-year-old if you don't know. And we're like, no, we love to sing. We're just singing all kinds of songs. We're singing songs of Jesus. We're singing country songs and making fun of those. We're singing gospel songs. and We just love to sing. But above everything else, I love to sing to God. I love to worship him. I love to come in here with family. I love to do it on my own when I'm out on my lawnmower and and I'm doing yard work and just whatever it is, I love to sing to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, worshipers, grateful people will sing and they will say something. It's got to come up out of you. It's got to get out. It's got to to move through your lips and you've got to verbalize what's going on in your heart. So here's just some permission for those of you that are like, well, stop that. Jump in the water. Sing it out. Say it. Declare it. There is power in declaration, the Bible tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Speak life, sing life, sing thankfulness, sing worship, sing praise. The Psalms direct us to sing and declare our worship to God over and over and over again. And how about this? I know, I know some of you, a lot, a lot of you I'm getting to know, but I know you, Don Juan's in here. You fall in love. You found her, that one that you've been praying for. And, and I know what you do. Yo, baby, what's up? <clears throat> My Barry White voice is not quite there, but you're looking fine, girl. I'm falling head over heels for you. Matter of fact, the sun, the moon, they don't compare to you. Girl, I, if I could have the words to tell you what's going on in here. I I would do it, but I just, I can't even find the right words to tell you how, how much I, I love you. I need you. Me and you, we, we're destined. You know what I'm saying? You tell that person. You, you speak it to them. You write them little love notes and you put in their car and on their visor and, and, and at their, 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 their mirror when they're getting ready in the morning they get up they come in there and you've snuck in the day before and you put that in there because you better not be spending night with nobody like that. I'm telling you that right now. But you go in there and you leave that you write it down. You speak it. Sometimes you might even get up a little enough nerve to like sing them a little song, you know. <laughs> If you only knew what my throat was doing right now, I would. I would sing it. I would try, but I'm, I'm going to, maybe next, next week. Don't hold me to that. I mean, we do that for a person we fall in love with, and then after we've been with them a few years, it don't seem to go quite like that much anymore. Meatloaf for dinner again? Come on, woman. That kind of goes that way, which is not good. That's why you need the marriage conference in January. Everybody goes sign up right after this. But we speak it. We sing it. We declare it. We tell the person we love how much we love it. How much more should we do that to God? How much more does he deserve to know what's going on in our hearts towards him? Or have we lost that first love? Or have we ever, even ever acquired that love for him? 
Because I'm going to tell you something and hear this and watch me one more time today. When we have that love for Jesus, it's going to spill out of us, man. We won't be able to hold it in. We're going to give it to him, sing it out, shout it out, speak it out. We're going to show it. Whatever we have to do. And that's the last part of this process. Our gratitude will be moved to action to show itself through our hands and our feet like the woman who broke the bottle of perfume at the feet of Jesus. It goes beyond words. It's more than words. More than words. I'm just kidding. It's all I ever... I'm just kidding. Throat still not right there, so we'll... Love has feet to it. Love has hands. Love is tangible acts of serving and caring and giving and helping and showing. Love in action. Love moves. Love does stuff. It starts in the heart, moves through our lips. And moves us to action. I want to finish up by giving you two quick assignments as Joseph and Terry come to help me with communion. And those two assignments are for us for Thanksgiving week. Some of you are like, yep, get a couple of days off work, couple of days off school. I'm not into doing anything else. I'm just whoop, cruise control. No, very simple. Number one, I want to encourage you to write down 10 things this week that you're thankful for. Ten things that you know are blessings distinctly in your life that God himself has given to you, has brought to you. Just write them down. Just document. Some of you are going to get so excited, you're going to just keep going, and ten ain't going to be enough. You're just going to keep going and going, and you're going to find a long, long list. But that's okay. At least ten things that you are thankful for and grateful for. Big things, little things, in between things. And the second thing is this. I want you to show your gratitude in at least three ways this week. In at least three ways this week. We were able to yesterday bless someone who served in the military and secretly buy a meal for them at lunch. My wife saw it and said, Let's, I just want to do that. And I said, great. And I don't say that to pat us on the shoulder. I'm just saying there are ways that we can do that that are, that are big and small. So, Ten things written down that you're grateful for and then three ways that you can show, put into action your thankfulness this week. And I just want to encourage us all to take part in this. And, and, and you're going to be amazed at how God's going to use these, these two simple assignments this week. But would you just close your eyes for just a moment right now with me? And as you do that, I just want to ask you before we move to communion, if you're in this room and you say, you know what, Pastor? God has done something profound in my life today. He, he has done something very powerful in my life today in this area of thankfulness. So I just want you to pray for me that, that these things will, will take hold and my life will be truly changed. I'll never be the same again. Would you just raise your hands across this room this morning? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, 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 yes. How many of you would say this morning, you know what? I'm not where I need to be with Jesus Christ in my life. I, I, I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want to fall in love with him like, like these folks that we, we took a glimpse of today. And 
I just want that fire and that passion. I want that relationship to be red hot. I want to I know him in the depths of who I am. Would you just raise your hand today if that's you and you want us to pray for you? Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Anybody? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Lord, we honor you right now. And as we prepare to celebrate communion, the greatest gift to mankind, Lord, we, we take this moment to acknowledge those who raised a hand just now. For any of these two calls of, of ministry, for those who said, you know what, I need to, to have Jesus be Lord of my life completely, totally. I need to sell out everything to him and just fall madly in love with him because I know today without a doubt that he is madly in love with me, that I'm the apple of his eye just as his word says. I want to be that child of God that he's created me to be. So God, as they open their hearts and invite you to fully come in and lead their lives today, God, take them up on that completely. Cleanse them from all sin and unrighteousness, just as you do with us every day, God, as we come to you as your child. Make them a new creation. Bring that transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit. For those who said, God's done something in me today, He's done something of change in my heart today and, and, and in the area of, of, of gratitude and thankfulness and I don't want to ever let it go. Lord, would you just seal that up right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. As we prepare to move into communion and these brothers are going to help us do that today. I'm reminded out of, out of the book of Matthew when Jesus himself on the the eve of his arrest and crucifixion sat his disciples at a table and instituted what we now know as communion or the Lord's Supper and in Matthew chapter 26 beginning in verse 26 it reads this way and as they were eating Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said take eat this is my body verse 27 tells us then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave that to them saying drink from this all of you for this is my blood the blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins wow Guys, I'm telling you, they really didn't know what was going on. But that was the start of this precious, precious gift that we've been given some 2,000 plus years later. So as the ushers are coming now to, to serve you with the juice and the bread, would you please take one of each and hold on to it until everyone has been served in the room and then at that point in time Pastor Terry and Pastor Joseph are gonna gonna help and, and lead us through a time of praying over each of these elements and partaking together as a family this morning thank you so much for being a part of this special time